A quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Melissa Fash. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm delighted to have you because we're going to talk about content. And I used to not be very interested in content. And now I am thanks to you and Anton, actually. Um, so what we're going to do first is what I always do is say hello, then go okay. through your brand set. Then we're going to get into the discussion. So if we look at your brand set, the first look at your brand set is really boring because it's all blue links. And right. when we search your name, we just get these blue links. If we can show that screen. Um, and I thought, oh, there's not going to be very much to say here. And actually, when you look at it, it's an incredibly, incredibly good brand set because you've got author profile, social accounts and your, your sites. And that's it. You completely control it with content that relates to what you actually do. So it does tell your story and that's brilliant. And then I thought, I'll look at the other tabs because they might be interesting. So I looked at um, news and there's okay. one of those, 2012, that's not news. Mm -hmm. Then I looked at, uh, what was that one, videos? Um, we're up there, but your Twitter video, I'm go back, Anton, sorry, to the videos, you, you're moving too fast. Uh, the videos, there you go. Um, this event is number four. Right. Your, your Twitter videos work really well. Okay. So there you go. Uh, but perhaps you're going to get the Twitter boxes. Perhaps you're going to get video boxes with Twitter in it, which would be really cool. Um, and the next one was uh, books, I believe, Google Books. You, you haven't written a book, have you? No, I have not. I've been mentioned in a couple, including that top one. Yep. Well, it seemed to have been mentioned in all three of them. So you get lots of mentions. <laughs> and Google Books actually shows mentions, which I hadn't really thought about before. So all you need to do is get mentioned in a book to get a book's result about you, which is brilliant. Cool. Then I looked at maps and thought I wouldn't find anything, but actually I found SEO-aware marketing agency. Yeah, that was a while ago, but it's still there. <laughs> and then the step too far was when I looked at finance and there you go, when I looked at finance and shopping. There aren't oh. any Melissa Fashes in Thank God. Shopping. But it was an interesting look at all different verticals. I haven't done that before. Um, so you inspired me yet again. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know. I've tried to be, it was always, if someone said something bad about me or something, I wanted to own the, the top 10 and keep them on page two was the hope. But right. Well, you did a great job. On page two, there isn't anything nasty either. I don't know if anyone's ever said anything nasty about you, have they? think so but you never know <laughs> no you don't anyway so you have actually worked to control your brand SERP and make sure that it shows who you are and what you do in a manner that you want it to is that correct yes and i oh, uh, you know those sites that give people's addresses away right yep i've actually gone to those and requested that those be removed as well so oh, i take okay. time to do that wow when did you do that Every time a new one pops up, I go say, take me off. So Melissa has been expert in brand SERPs for longer than I've been in SEO. Oh, dear. That's put me back. No, in I, need to get, I, I'm, I dream of being you one day and having the little knowledge panel, but I don't have time yeah. to figure that out. Yeah, well, the, the knowledge panel is a long and complicated story, but I'm actually working on that for quite a lot of people now and trying to kind of manage them, trigger them, get them up there, and then manage them and change them and um, influence them. And then doing an experiment with WordLift, uh, they call it the entity-based content model around this podcast, which I talk about all the time. And it's proving to be incredibly effective. I'm suddenly getting all these kind of people in my knowledge panel, their little faces saying people also search for, whereas I used to have my mother 
and my sister and an old friend who, who made the cartoons with me. Uh, so I'm I'm happy with Ron Fishkin and Bill Slavsky and Cindy Crumb. That that seems more with what I'm doing now. But back back to Melissa. I'm, I also have to thank you publicly because I couldn't write. I didn't dare write about SEO. And you, when you were at Samrush, gave me the courage by sending back helpful comments about my writing that made me write better. And you're blushing. Uh, as red as my shirt but it is a really heartfelt thank you because now I write all the time and you gave me confidence well thank you I felt bad I always feel bad coming <laughs> back and saying please can you improve this part but ideally it was because I wanted you as the writer to be everyone to love you from the start you know what I mean so when I was an editor at SEJ, I did that. I did the same thing at Moz. And then at Simrush, I did the same thing. So what does that mean? Yeah. Your article is not good. <laughs> Wait, was your article is not as good as it could be, is what I heard. Uh, right. Because, and here's some suggestions. So I think that's much more down the line. But um, you're obviously incredibly expert in content and you you focus when the, all these Google updates come out. You focus on the content aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I would imagine that would be EAT um, expertise, authority, and trust for people who don't know what that is. Um, I mean, the, the last ones. How focused have they been on EAT? I think it's a combination of everything. I mean, if you go back even to 2018, Google's been dropping significant hints on what they want from the medic update all yeah. the way. If you you know, a lot of people think, oh, Google said this. They don't say anything for no reason. Right. You got to really dig through. What did they say? What did they not say? Then take that and listen to what Google is saying in keynotes or whatever and just tie it all together. They've made it very clear for a long time they wanted to put things into expert versus layperson. You know what I mean? They It's what they wanted. And yeah. a lot of people are like, EAT isn't a part of ranking, YMYL isn't a part of ranking. I do believe it is, and I think it is because Google feels like they have a responsibility to people. That well, they, okay. You know, I think if you look at things, people would take medical advice that would end up hurting them, right? Yeah. Um, making financial decisions that bankrupted them. I mean, right. And that's, that, that, that's YMYL, which we, we all use these acronyms, and I like to say them, your money or your life. Mm -hmm. I can't remember who told me to say that. It, it was another editor. They said, every time you use an acronym, put it in full right at the beginning of the article so that everyone can understand. It might actually have been you. Now, now I'm looking at you nodding. <laughs> I always do it. At, I make sure it's at the top. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that the content is easy as long as you – follow i mean if you're paying attention to the uh quality rater guidelines yeah. and what they change you know like this last one they added a lot more of needs met that had oh, a, yeah. another element to the content that it was like and that's what i tell my team every time they're going to write a piece what need are you meeting what have you anticipated well, like what have you anticipated their needs are going to be their intent and then i tell them to do initial and the next three or four intents after that Right. Keep them on the page a little longer. Or, I mean, I was I was talking to Jonah Alderson from Yoast, and we were sitting around having a chat, and we we came up with this kind of thing: is that we should have a solution strategy because we're bringing solutions. It's not content; it's solutions. How right. how fair does that sound, or is that pushing it too far? <laughs> no, because what I've seen is that based on the new 
search intent that Google's looking at. Sometimes, for example, what is SEO doesn't need a 10,000 word article. Nobody wants to read 10,000 words for that phrase. And Google isn't expecting to give them that. They want a definition, right? Right. Um, how do you use SEO? That's a that's a different intent, you know? So what is SEO is the first, what is the second, third, and fourth question they're going to ask? Feed that. So I'm a big believer in that definition at the top to mm-hmm. answer and then explain to people in a scannable way, this is everything you'll learn in this post or this page next. Okay. So you're, you're still a big fan of the of the longer articles rather than the very short FAQs? Or, or do you think yeah. a, a short FAQ can serve a purpose if it's just answering a simple question? I think that's fine. And I really like now more than ever content hubs because I see Google feeding them. Moz is a good example, right? Right. You, oh, where you used to work. Right. <laughs> but that's I, partly no, thanks to you. No, no. They did this content <laughs> hub on their own. But if you look at any SEO phrase, I mean, like lots of them, they rank not for a huge page, but for the definition or a brief description than related articles. And I, I did a lot of digging and I've noticed that Google's doing that for pretty much every vertical. So you don't have to create mat, like long pieces, but you do have to be authoritative and explain things to people, you know? Wow. And Moz did a great job. What is mobile SEO? They answered it. And then their related post underneath help you learn more. I mean, it's easy, right? Yeah, sure, 100%. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of saying you, you need to write enough to answer the question or to provide the solution. Um, right. and, and you can either expand on it because you really want to and you think you might grab the user's attention and bring them in. But um, if, if, if it's like, I mean, I have a client who do eSIMs called UBG, and we did a whole FAQ section. And they kept trying to write a thousand words for each question. You're going, you know, um, how do I uh, how do I um, activate my eSIM? Ah, that's a that's a five step process. You need one line, and you're not going to be scrolling through your mobile phone going through five thousand words exactly. to figure it out. It's so annoying. Um, right. How does eSIM work? Uh, you know, you, you can give. I think that's a good example of one where you would just give a really brief description at the top. And then if somebody really wants to know about cellular data connectivity in its innermost details and how eSIM fits into that particular paradigm, there may be a long article. But I would have thought, you know, you want to say, right, you want to learn all about eSIMs, click here and go to another article. Right. And I'll give you another good example. Go on. We have a pool and there were bubbles coming out and we were like, what is this? Right. (laughs) So I Somebody drowning in your pool. (laughs) Why are bubbles coming out? And Google gave me a page that gave me the explanation and then five steps in a row, just numbered, how to fix it. And you know what? Fixed it. Google knows what I need to know. And whoever writes it for that intent or that question or thinks about what help I need, they're going to be the one that Google gives the yeah, and and and, th- and then uh, if you're giving a short short answer, um, for example, I mean, what what's your take on the thorny question of providing the answer, getting it put in a feature snippet, and the person never visits your site? I don't know. There's the whole trust thing. Then the other question is: Is do people even see the URL for the feature snippet? I think they do, but that could be me because I always look. <laughs> but I really like putting like numbered lists in the featured snippet. But this, the snippet doesn't show all of it, so they have to click right. <laughs> the rest. Um, so I think it's, I don't know. But I also kind of 
feel like if you've got featured snippets, you've got Google's trust a bit. Yeah, and I mean that that might be a really really interesting point. I mean, if you've got a feature snippet, make sure your brand name's in there. That's that's at least getting a branding opportunity, and it's free advertising, which is wonderful. And that point about you've got Google's trust means that you can actually work on the ones that do pull in the people who are actually going to buy, rather than people who are just asking simple questions. I mean, the eSIM example is that people come through; they don't actually want to install it yet. They just want to know what it is because eSIM's this new term. But right. you get on the page and on the on the feature snippet, you get the brand name. So people think, okay, I know the name. I'll say it again, UBG. I mean, the more, after I said, isn't it seven times people remember it? Yes, three to seven. I think it's three to remember your name, seven to trust you. Isn't it something like that? Okay, three to remember my own name. <laughs> right. <laughs> At our age, we're like, hey. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always thrilled. You get a featured snippet, you usually get a link below as well. That's twice on the page, you know. Yeah, right. Okay, and, and so that and that's playing into this idea of expertise, authority, and trust. And it's saying you're liable to get a feature snippet because Google thinks you're expert, you're authoritative, and it can trust you to give a to provide the answer. That's that's fair comment. Right. I think whatever is on that page needs to be more informative or better informing to the reader than your competitors. Right. Right. And okay. that's good. So, yes, think of eat, but also think of how how am I going to phrase this or what element am I going to add, you know, to beat everybody else? The Google thinks this is better than those. Right. Even yeah. 10,000 words, I like this one better because, right? Yeah, yeah. I think kind of we, we forget that, you know, um, we, we need to be better than the competition. We need to provide something better. And it's not just because we think we're nice and our mothers think are nice. We're nice that that we're going to get Google's trust. And right. just a really quick call out to William Rock, who I saw last year at PubCon when we were at PubCon all together. Um, I just wanted to say hello to him because he's such a lovely chap. Yeah, yeah it was weird. We had, we had dinner in a restaurant. You and I, was it lunch? Oh, right. Oh, no, it was breakfast. It was breakfast. Okay. In a restaurant with other humans. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It does all, all of a sudden seems very weird. Yeah, it, it was breakfast in some some Las Vegas hotel, which sounds slightly strange and creepy now I say it. But it was a good breakfast. <laughs> it was. It was a great pub con as well. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, on to YMYL, your money or your life. I mean, kind of, I tend to get the impression that it's quite restricted, but it's not. I mean, it goes quite a long way out. It's anything where Google is putting its reputation on the line by recommending something because it's recommending this answer. Right. And I think a lot of people make it harder than it needs to be. You know right. what I mean? I kind of look at everything Google's done, even with YouTube, when they put out the rules, no more videos scaring your children, no more risk taking, you know, like they, they're trying to, I think they feel like they have a responsibility as well to the people reading, right? Mm -hmm. and, and what they're going to provide. Um, and I think that people need to look at that and just consider it. It's not difficult for a page that you're looking at YMYL. What am I going to include in here that's going to help the person reading? Know right. that they can trust this advice and, and let Google know. I mean, with YMYL, it's, it's harder because you've got to beat everybody else who's yeah. written well. Right. And I always tell people, what did what did they forget to add? What is a little tip that they didn't mention? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. If you're talking about a medication, what are the side effects they should be aware of? Whatever it is. Right. If you're talking about buying a car, like 
there's little things that you can do to feed do, that. Do you think it's a, a, good, a good idea to then say, okay, right, I want Google to see that I'm authoritative and expert on this particular topic, which is quite sensitive. Um, if I go and write for, if I'm a, it's a medical question, if I write for medical sites and get accepted onto authoritative medical sites, that would help with the authorship? I do. I think that Google said recently that, was it in October? that they can actually tell just by scanning a few words of an article, which author wrote it. Right. Oh, that sounds like Bill Slarsky with his patents. He, he said when he yeah, reads patents, he can tell who's written it before he even gets to the bottom because some right. of them write, write like Faulkner and another, and it's a style of writing for patents, which I thought was weird, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't give away anything I'm doing at work, but I will say this. I've done a lot of research and the people that are promoting those authors, you know, in proving that they're authoritative in this niche and the authors have a good reputation online, that is helpful from what I have been able to see when you compare it to different things that I can't really say. But <laughs> no, but yeah. so, so that, that just now begs the question, ghost authors, really bad idea then. Because if you, if I, if I'm sitting here thinking, I want to get published on all of these famous uh, websites and get myself some authority by associating myself, but I'm really bad at writing, I'll get ghost authors to write. Each of my articles will have a different style and Google's going right. to see, in French we see, it's going to see the bowl of roses. Right. And this is what I tell people. If you can now hum into Google and they can tell you what song you're thinking of, they know who's writing, especially if there's a bunch of articles out there, you know, even Ooh. like a 10, 20,000 words of you. It's we don't know what they're capable of. But I keep going back to something that Gary said at um, PubCon Austin this year in his keynote. Mm -hmm. He said that paragraphs should flow word to word, sentence to sentence, paragraph to paragraph. If it doesn't flow for the reader, it won't flow for us either. That was a huge sign to me that, okay, now the quality of the writing is going to matter more. Why is that? Ooh. My anticipation, like what I'm thinking is, do they not want AI-generated content? Are they trying to sift that out? Sometimes. Ooh, I, 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 I definitely think that that's something they're going to want to do because, mm -hmm. I mean, AI generate content, I mean, it, it may become so good that we don't notice, but um, I, I do like the idea that we have a soul right. and that AI can't replace the soul. And um, my writing style, your writing style is what represents or what, what is my soul anyway. There you go. AI has no personality and has no opinion, right? If you're going to buy an iPhone or the new one, you're going to want someone's opinion. Is it that much different than the last one? Mm. Worth the investment? That's the stuff that makes it valuable. So, yeah, so yeah, some, somebody you trust and, and kind of like, A, you've got this idea of trust and saying, Google wants to present us with answers provided by people we can easily trust just by looking at the page, even if we don't already know who they are, which is yeah. what they tell the writer quality people uh, is – when you on this page, do you feel that the person or the person or the publisher uh, is somebody you can trust, yes or no? And right. although it may not be a direct ranking signal, it's certainly uh, information data that's being fed back into the machine. This kind of page isn't going to be good, and this kind of page is going to be good because the rate of quality people are pushing that information back. But I was just thinking of something else. There's another thing about the flow that you were talking about, Gary. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually used Descript to make a fake version of my own voice to see what would happen. 
And okay. it's pretty good. I mean, I, it's actually really impressive. I read 30 minutes about polar bears and otters and dragons on islands and sifting sand flows. It was very interesting. Um, can't remember very much about it. But um, the voice is not bad. It sounds like me, but it lacks intonation. And it mm -hmm. sounds a little bit like this, but it sounds okay. But you can't listen to it for more than five minutes. It doesn't no. flow. It doesn't flow, and people need inflection to not be bored. Right, and, and it's the same in writing. Or I mean, obviously, we're, we're in, with the reading. It's those kind of little movements that, of, the, of the text that aren't completely straight down the line. Which is what you're suggesting. AI would just write straight down the line. Right, and you know, like I remember when I was still at Simrush, the I, I wrote a lot there. But the piece that did the best could be from the topic, but it was a short piece on the May 2020 core update. Right. And I made a couple of jokes in it, and I had a GIF of Star Wars, which geeks love. It's not hard, right? Um, but I had so, more traffic on that than I had on anything else, which was really? kind of shocking to me because I didn't put a lot, right? <laughs> it wasn't a long piece. It was pretty short. But it told people what they needed to know. Yeah, period. and. And, and, and the, the kind of the Samrush have got the wow score, which is a bit silly, but um, it, it does tell you that people are engaging with the content. I think they're trying to measure the, the, the engagement with the content. And if you're being funny with your jokes um, or friendly with your tone of voice in, in what you're writing, people will stick around. And the really kind of cold, straight down the line stuff doesn't keep people engaged. And that's important, do you think, for Google? I don't know if it's important for Google. I mean... You have to please Google and the reader, right? <laughs> what I meant is, is Google looking at engagement or is that something I'm too sure far away? I'm sure they are. You know, we, we can't say for sure anything with Google, but I, you know that if they see 15,000 people read this for five minutes this week, they know. Right. And <laughs> writing that at the bottom of your page, if it's not true, isn't going to work because after a while you're going to get find out, found out. We'll come back to the French term that the bowl of roses will be found. I like that phrase because it's, there is a bowl of roses in the room to cover the smell. Um, <laughs> so every, every time you do something like that, think about the bowl of roses. Uh, right. So back to the updates. I mean, every time an update comes out, now, now they're warning us ahead of time and they're saying there's an update coming up sometimes. Kind of. Yeah. And then when it comes out, they say the same thing, create quality content. Um, is there anything else you can draw out from what they're saying? I mean, you just have to keep reading and listening. I think you have to read everything they say, take out the snippets, and examine them. You know, I mean, there's a reason why Eat is mentioned 119 times in the Raider Quality Guide. I was trying to remember that number. I was going to say 59, but it's 119. It was, okay. it was more than that before the update in October. I think it was All right or something but it went down to 119 because i counted it i use it for when i'm teaching people <laughs> right, okay. um but then they can i ask a question mm -hmm. did if, if well if the text got longer then it's even more diluted but if the text got shorter it might actually be relatively more true that's very that's, you're right sorry that's a mathematician talking but if google's mentioned it 119 times it matters that's a good point <laughs> and if you're, if you're looking at like the google news suggestions they say, follow the Google Quality Rater guidelines, mm. right? They keep pushing you back. It's kind of your job to study it and look at it. Um, I look back at the little things, like I think they said in September of 2018, that they were now looking at subtopics, right? There you go. That right. was a huge shift of now we're going to 
integrate subtopics throughout. And then, I mean, they've made it very clear, even with passages. You know, they mentioned passages. I don't know yeah. if what I'm seeing is the passages, but I am seeing it a lot in the field I am in now. Right, okay. Instead of, for example, um, I think I can say this, but <laughs> but if you are searching for a particular thing about a car, right, I'm seeing Google take that subtopic section and presenting it totally right. on its own and sending people right there. And it's great because people weren't asking about the other part of the car. They don't need the whole review of the car. Right. Which, is, which comes back to what we were saying earlier on is that, is that people want the little chunk of information they're looking for, and that's what Google's aiming to do. And that right. comes back to actually using head, headings correctly, is that it allows yeah. Google to break up the content into its relevant chunks. It's, that's the biggest fail I see. Really? With people, is they do not organize and cover the bases with their headlines. They don't think it out. I mean... You know, in the old days, like in school, they'd say outline first, right? right yep. Um, and then Oops. we kind of moved away from that. To do well today, especially if Google's going to be feeding passages, you need to outline first. What are we going to have here? What are the subtopics going to be? How are we going to, you know, put it in the hierarchy so Google understands, right? Really neat and organized. It's not difficult. Mm -hmm just takes a little more time. And my whole thing is write less content, write better content. Right. Oh, if I'd had more time, I would have written less, Mark Twain. Um, but but that, that, that comes down to saying, yeah, organize yourself first. But isn't that, as you said, what we learned at school? And isn't that actually simply... Uh, yeah, I mean, sorry, I was, I was thinking about it. I actually read an article about it, and I was thinking, yeah, that's really obvious. But it isn't really obvious, is it? It's not for most people, and I don't understand like, I, I try not to be like, I keep telling myself, like, you study this all the time. You've been doing this for years. They have not. But, and they don't have time to read everything I read. But I think it makes sense for the user as well. They scan, right? Yeah. Scan, yeah. find what they need. So do it for the user, do it for Google, and just see what happens. But I think a lot of people worry too much about, let's make sure we have a keyword in every headline. Oh. Yeah, I almost almost said a rude word there, but yes, I I really 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 hate that. Um, but I, that that whole thing about scan reading, I kind of think we all do it when we use it. I think that's one of the problems we have as marketers is we'll go in and do something and we think, oh, okay, I'll do, and we do it for Google, and we actually don't ever take the step back and say, how do I act as a user? What am I looking for as a user? Right. And once you do that, you start to do it better. Can I ask you what what's your process then for writing an article? And I can steal your process and use it and write better articles. Well, it depends. Well, first of all, I don't write about anything that I don't know. Good, good, good starting point. People may ask me, can you write about this? And I'll say no, not well. Right. right okay. It's going to take me 10 hours to research. I'm one of these that would have to know it well. So if I don't know, well, no. Um, then I really dig into the competitors. Well, who else has written about it? What have they said? What have they missed? Right. What is not organized? How could I do this better? I do check search volume of any of the key phrases I'm focusing on, right? And then when I have all this data together, I start planning it out for the user. What are they going to want to know, right? <laughs> like, um, what is the intent going to be? And I always think of intent as step one, step two, step three, step four. Trying right. for at least three intents in that piece, right? Okay. Um, 
I ask myself the whole time, how is this helpful? Uh, when I'm done writing, though, I go back and remove anything I think is fluff or unnecessary. I'm kind of what I do what you call a brain dump. Just put yeah. it all in there. Then I go through and like, do they need to know this? No. Do they need to know this? I make it as short as I can. Right. Because people don't have time to read long stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it's kind of it's a lot of work. I mean, to really write well, it's a lot of work. Uh, but organizing is critical for me. Yeah, right. So organize it and then uh, and then write it. And, and one of the things is go back and reread yourself and take out things that aren't strictly necessary. And I find that to be one of the hardest things to do is saying, actually, I took so much care and attention writing this little chunk, but it right. actually breaks the flow or it, it's off topic. And, you, and what I now do is copy paste it, put it in another document for another article further down the line. Right. And the other thing is, is if I have it in a paragraph, I often think, could I just put this in a bulleted list and it'd be quicker for the reader? And often it is, right? right? And I'm always looking at things from a psychological perspective. I mean, that's my education, but people are trying to work. They're trying to find an answer. Mm. They don't have time to read all day. All of us who write think, oh, I'm creating this great piece. Mm. People don't want to read it. They don't have time to read it, right? So just break it down as much as you can. Scannable headlines, bullets and numbered lists, quick and brief descriptions, give them what they need, and then save the paragraphs for the stuff that really needs to be explained. Right. Right. And, and and that thing, I mean, A, about the really brilliant stuff we wrote that actually doesn't fit in and saying my paragraph could actually be better as a uh, an ordered list or a list. Mm-hmm. Um, or a table even, or, or even an image to, to show something. Um, it's a lot to do with our egos and kind of how we, we want to show how clever we are. Um, and, and that's terribly tempting. I mean, I know I get tempted to leave things in because it, I think it makes me look clever. Right. Well, I mean, I think the difference is writing has changed. Hmm. What we used to do that made us unique, it's just, it's different now. And now we have people in a pandemic mentally just stressed beyond belief. They just want their answer. They want to find it quick. It's just, you know, or tell me how to do something in quick steps. Don't break down how to do something and make me read 20 paragraphs and then find how to do it. They don't yeah. want that, you know. So you have to think of the reader and then, you know, the less content I think, the better. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. I mean, I think kind of we all we all struggle to, to reduce the amount we, we output because we want to keep it all because we're a bit precious. Now, one last question, Melissa. Over 2020, I get the feeling that uh, Google or the Google updates have shift, shifted us much more towards a content-focused um, engine that we're, lo- we're looking at. Um, how, how do you feel the year has gone from that point of view? I do agree with that, but we're also in a you know, a lot of people say, well, they did this because of the pandemic. They didn't do this because of the pandemic. Core <laughs> updates are planned long ahead of time, right? Right. Uh, and I mean, carefully thought out, well planned. Granted, the December update may have included something about the pandemic, trying to make sure that quality information is getting out. But if you look at the fluctuations of this thing, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Notice that no SEOs are really saying anything yet because it's not done cooking. We're going to see like, um, but I saw what I find is interesting is I've seen a lot of people that went up and then just dropped drastically when it looks like it might be done. I, oh, okay. 
I'd have to examine their content and their site to determine why. Right. But and presumably vice versa. Mm-hmm. People have dropped and then come back again. I mean, I've seen yeah. a couple of examples of people posting stuff online. Um, I mean, but that's always the case of, of, of Google updates. And if anybody's listening who hasn't got much experience with them, is it, the, the update hits. And if if you take the first few days as gospel for what's actually happening, um, you're liable to make mistakes and you need to actually just wait to see what the true effect is before actually analyzing and trying to make a decision. Right. I am a firm believer in this, though. Google drops a core update. Then they inform and they inform and they inform. Just kind of here and there. Then they do something big inform and they do something here. I feel like you have until the next core update to implement. Oh, I like that idea. Right? They gave you six months with this one. This is what happened in May. They told us it was about content. They said what they wanted. They said, go read this. Then they dropped some hints along the way. So they basically gave you six months to fix it. Right, yeah. And so kind of your job from a content point of view is Mm -hmm. saying, okay, I need to spend the six months fixing it so the next lot doesn't overwhelm me with work because I've got a double fix to make. Or when the next core update hits, we get a boost instead of a drop. And then we pay attention to what they say. We get on track and get that done for the next. So I could be completely wrong. But I have seen that work. Yet, just pay attention to everything they say. And even up to the core update in May, Google was dropping all kinds of hints. Right. Yeah. Okay. They really were. I mean, like Gary, he, he gave a great keynote um, at PubCon Austin, and it was all about content, the entire thing. I'm so that was right. me. Hmm. Well, are, are we not moving into a world where Google can, I mean, it used to be, Counting strings of characters and counting inbound links, and that was that was and that was already back in two thousand when I was starting in all this. Uh, that was already we were going wow, counting links, that's amazing. Right. How stunning is that? And and we're now at a point where counting links and counting strings of characters is absolutely nothing to do with what they're doing. They're understanding the content, they're digesting the content, they're understanding, they're evaluating the credibility, and they're looking at the, whether or not you are actually going to deliver. Right. And, you know, I always give people this example of, you know, when you're watching a movie and you want to know how how tall is that guy, right? So you Google, you don't know his name. So you Google the movie and then Google shows you the cast. And it's almost like they know that I want to know the height next because that guy, a lot of questions are asked about the fact that they're able to give that information. I don't even have to work as I'm typing in or, you know what I mean? That's what they're trying to do. Concepts, information. They want to make sure that they're matching the query. And it's different than keywords nowadays. I tell told everybody when they talked about we're trying to, you know, match intent. Yes, keywords are there, but it's a it's a major shift. Right. right? How are we going to feed them the best possible answer for this query? So when I'm writing, I think, what are the queries that people might search for to end up here? How am I going to phrase this so Google believes that this matches, right? It's a totally different way of writing, a totally different way of thinking. Right, which is absolutely brilliant. A wonderful way to end it. I love the idea of Google 
how can I present my content so that Google will present it as the solution to the person's problem or the answer to their question? And the SERP is evolving, which now segues nicely onto next week's episode, and I'll say thank you in a moment, with Dave Davis, who's absolutely delightful. And we're going to see the screen in a minute. He's got one of the nicest jackets I've ever seen that I would never wear in a million years. But Dave pulls it off brilliantly. He looks great. 2021, the year of the SERP. And the, the SERP is changing. I think that's going to be almost as interesting as this conversation. Yeah. And it, it's a, a nice few weeks here with uh, Melissa, last week Cindy Crum, next week Dave Davis, then Stefan Spencer. Uh, brilliant month of December. Thank you so much, Melissa. That was awesome. Brilliant. A quick goodbye and we're good to go. Thank you, Melissa. Well, thank you. You're brave. <laughs> 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 singing the song. What an idiot. Thank you. <laughs>